Read and hear more about important news and policy issues at ncpolicywatch.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. A new report from the Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit, the Urban Institute, has found that black patients are more likely to suffer hospital injuries, such as bed sores and post-surgery health problems, than white patients treated at the same hospitals. The study looked at differences in seven surgery-related complications and four general safety measures in hospitals in 26 states, including North Carolina, and found that black patients fared worse for four of the seven surgery-related complications and two of the four general indicators. So how could this be? Earlier this week, I posed that question and several others to the author of the report, health researcher Anuj Gangapadaya. Welcome to News and Views. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Rob. Before we even get into the study that we want to talk about today, it might be good to remind folks, our listeners, who the heck the Urban Institute is. It's an organization that goes back decades. It's an important think tank and research organization. It's based in Washington. But could you shed a little more light on who the heck the Urban Institute is? Sure. The Urban Institute is a, we're a nonprofit, nonpartisan, independent research organization. Really, as you mentioned, born out of the Great Society. Uh, we've done a lot of work in terms of uh, policy analysis, uh, examining the effects of uh, economic, health, uh, labor, justice policies. I, in particular, work in the Health Policy Center. So, uh, you know, I focus a lot on Medicaid and Medicare research, as well as uh, recently, as this report highlights turning some kind of focus onto patient disparities, again, in this case, in terms of racial disparities, but differences that black and white patients may experience. So yeah, the Urban Institute, you know, widely does a lot of this kind of work. We're glad you're there. It's providing an important service to our policymakers and legislators and and, and to the general public. And I guess what we want to talk about today is a new report that's out that you've been, uh, gather, the, the lead author of, which is looking at the issue of disparities in outcomes for people of different color in our hospital system across the country. And it's pretty disturbing and remarkable findings. I think a lot of Americans might not be shocked if they heard that, well, you know, different hospitals, different outcomes, different maybe hospitals in tough urban areas or remote rural areas might have different outcomes from uh, upper income areas. But your findings point to differences within hospitals based upon race, right? That's right. And when we're looking at differences, in this case, we're measuring uh, patient safety indicators. And so that's important to say, you know, set straight at the beginning because the, uh, patient safety indicators are really hospital acquired illnesses or Ill- injuries. Uh, I, I think one of the common ones people are you know familiar with is post-operative sepsis infections, mm-hmm. uh, pressure ulcers. These are things that just shouldn't happen in hospitals and hospitals can take steps to avoid them. And in that sense, you should think of patient safety measures as as objective quality of care measures in hospitals. And so we set out to examine, as you know, whether black and white patients experience different levels of patient safety, even when they're treated within the same hospital. And so we look at 11 different measures of patient safety and, and find that indeed black adult patients suffer higher rates of these adverse safety events on six of these measures. Uh, relative to white patients of the same age, of the same gender, and, and again, treated in the same hospital. Importantly on that, seven of those measures centered on injuries or illnesses contracted during or after surgical procedure. Hmm. Uh, and for all seven measures, Black patients experience higher rates of adverse events. And for four of those measures, the Black-white differences were uh, clinically large and statistically significant. Just again, to pull one example hmm. uh, out of many examples, we found that Black adult patients experience 
post-operative sepsis infection rates that are 27% higher than the rate that um, white patients experience, again, in the same hospital. I think I read in the study bed sores is another, uh, that's something I think maybe if people can conjure up, if you're not, a, you're not a medical expert, but you can imagine that's a problem some people get. And it's clear that black people in hospitals, black uh, patients get them more regularly. And, and something that could be easily avoided by, you know, constant patient monitoring, movement of patient within a, within a hospital bed. I, I think in, in the, the more technical term is pressure ulcers, but mm-hmm. that's right. Okay. That's the same, yeah, it's the same idea. So you looked at the, these data and you've, I guess, come up with a pretty disturbing explanation as to what's behind. There really isn't any other good explanation other than racism. So we tried to examine factors that could be driving this within hospitals. One thing I always get, you know, uh, you know, as a potential explainer from others is that could it be that white patients are older and they're more susceptible to, to acquiring illnesses or injuries? Well, in our analysis, is we've lined up black and white patients by age group. Another common one, you know, factor that is asked of us is do white patients have better insurance coverage, better quality right. insurance coverage, coverage that provides more care uh, access? We do a further analysis that restricts uh, patients to, to those who are black and white Medicare covered patients. We mm-hmm. also do another analysis that does broad adjusters for insurance coverage. And we find that those disparities that I noted earlier, they're practically unchanged. Hmm. And so insurance coverage doesn't seem to be explaining that within the same hospital either. When you rule out a lot of these factors, it becomes more difficult to say that this is not some kind of factor related to systematic discrimination. Mm-hmm. But I just want to frame that a little bit. What does that mean yeah. in this case for patient safety? Patient safety measures, you know, Institute of Medicine 20 years ago had a really great report, like just honed in on how medical errors occur. A lot of this stems from patient miscommunication between providers and patients, miscommunication between provider teams, miscommunication between providers and nurses. These are a lot of factors that can like, lead to these adverse safety events within hospitals. But that they're happening at higher rates for patients in particular racial backgrounds means that the you know this this rate of miscommunication or whatever this you know dropping of the ball whatever that rate is it's happening higher for patients of color relative to, to white patients you know there's been a long literature studying the effects of physician explicit and implicit biases mm-hmm. the you know there's been also some literature showing that you know implicit and explicit biases the training and acknowledgement of those biases can help in terms of treatment protocols potentially to limited effect but the idea here is like, you know, we, we, we've done a lot of work in, in our report and trying to rule out other factors, but it seems that there aren't a lot of other explanatory factors that are out there. We're talking with Anuj Gangapadaya, who's a senior research associate at the Health Policy Center at the Washington, D.C.-based Urban Institute about new research that looks at the data comparing the outcomes and uh, post-surgical uh, events that occur for people of different colors in the same hospitals. Is it a sense, Anuj, that people of color are neglected more. Some of these conditions we describe, we talked about, I called them bed sores. You talked about them as uh, pressure ulcers are things that presumably result from neglect by the people who are charged with providing care to people in those institutions. Is that possibly an explanation? It's a possible explanation. It's a, it's a, it's definitely a hypothesis that we're carrying, but unfortunately one that we can't test outright at the moment. Um, I think that's, I hate when people say this, but that 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 really is an area of future research that really needs to dive into looking at provider teams, looking at the kind of care the same provider teams provides to patients of different colors. You know, people have done this before. I should also probably frame the scale of the study that we're looking at here. This is complete hospital discharge records for 26 states in the United States 
We have including North Carolina, right? Uh, I, I think believe North, North, Car- North Carolina is in there. That's right. And so, yeah. uh, you know, the point here is that this is this is not like a artifact of a couple hospitals. This is a pretty systematic thing across the nation. Uh, and, you know, the time period is 2017. That's three years after the Affordable Care Act. So this is something that's persistent. You know, you asked whether this is discrimination exhibited by physicians. I said, my answer is we can't rule it out. I would love to directly mm-hmm. be able to test that. That's not something I can like totally sit, like nail as like what and when, like, you know, what kind of pairings of physicians and patients sure. are, are really leading to this. But that's definitely something that we believe that is at play here. The only other thing that occurred to me as I thought about it is that someone who, you know, most of us have, have experienced this, and I'm of an age where I've experienced having my parents in hospitals and uh, having end-of-life care, and I wonder about the issue of the sophistication, the education of a consumer in a hospital setting, and the fact that sometimes patients who are surrounded by family members who are who feel more empowered to speak up on their behalf to advocate on their behalf perhaps have better outcomes than people whose family members and and loved ones perhaps don't feel as empowered and and i wonder if that could play a role in neglect or lack of neglect or quality of care when it comes to serving people. I, I reckon you probably haven't been able to statistically examine that question, but it seems like something at some point that might be worth looking into. Two points I'd like to like make from that is the first is that uh, you mentioned that it's hard to like really glean what kind of quality of care you're going to get. This is hard at the hospital level generally, right? right. I mean, it's rare that we you know, forget about time sensitive conditions. You have a heart attack, you're probably going to go to the hospital that's nearest available to you, right? But if you're having something that you, you get, a, you're, if you're in a you know, position where you get to choose a hospital uh, that you're going to you know, get treated at, it's hard enough to figure out whether the hospital's, the quality of care is maybe, you know, up to a standard that you're, you're happy with. It's impossible, really, to see if the standard of care is going to be held up for patients that look like you and an insured, insured, yeah. insured like you. So that generally just makes this whole, you know, shopping around ability just difficult, uh, particularly right. for patients, uh, disadvantaged minority patients. I'm blanking on the second point I wanted to make. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So patient advocacy is... Yeah, just, within the... Within you, know, the and I, you know, for that to be the case, and I, I think it's long, you know, question is, do minority patients have uh, different abilities to advocate for the care that they deserve? Uh, and, you know, in some cases, you know, we don't look at Hispanic gaps, but I've been talking to reporters on this report for a long time, and they're all bringing family stories about how I had a family member who didn't speak English well, was totally disregarded by the by the physician. To what extent is that at play as well? Again, not something that we're directly testing here, but uh, definitely factors out there that are worth looking at driving differences in patient safety within hospital systems. I think one of the policy points that we highlight here is that there is a system of patient grievances. Are you know there's patient bills of rights for hospitals making sure that patients are totally aware of what means they have to demand the care they deserve is, is pretty critical here. Uh, and, and especially in terms of like making sure that they get the same standard of care that the other patients within the same institution are getting. So again, it's not exactly a policy point, but equipping patients with that like grievances process is, is pretty critical here. There are things we need to continue to research, obviously, to, to get to the bottom of this, but it, it's clear that you've identified a major issue that needs to be addressed in our healthcare system. So what does come next? Will there be specific policy proposals? You've alluded to some of the additional research that needs to happen. What, where do we go from here? You know, again, we make a few policy points here, but I, I, I would want to say, Rob, like, what, something that's, that's kind of frustrating on, you know, doing research in this field is, you know, we're constantly highlighting the disparities rather than testing things that current policy is out there trying to reform. So, you know, I'm here in the position of of saying what's not working. It'd be nice as a researcher to be able to (laughs) test something that is trying to work. But, you know, to point back at policy, 
if you think about from the federal level, what we can we do? The Affordable Care Act levies penalties in hospitals for the quality of care they deliver, you know, on readmissions, and also even some of the measures looked at here, hospital-acquired illnesses and injuries. Those penalties are based on the overall quality of care <laughs> given to patients. But there is nothing that directly looks at the quality of care delivered to patients within hospitals. And this might be a place that we can start targeting to get more equitable care within institutions. A second piece, you know, here is we saw this, the same black-white disparities that we saw overall within institutions remain there even when we, we lined up uh, patients with similar coverage types, Medicare patients, mm-hmm. Medicaid patients. So as the ultimate payers of medical bills, insurers are in a position to start demanding why are beneficiaries with different racial backgrounds getting different kinds of care in the same institution where I'm paying the same dollars for that so those services. You know, we provide some policy points on how Medicare might be able to do this, the biggest payer for hospital services. And I won't go into detail here on that, but essentially you can, there's, there's quality ratings in Medicare that can come into play that could be directed towards particular patient subgroups. Medicaid as well can do some work. They, you know, there's a lot of Medicaid is run by privately run organizations. You know, Medicaid could withhold payments to these private players uh, mm-hmm. if, if the quality of care isn't uh, standardized. There's the FMAP. There's a matching rate between the federal government and Medicaid states. You could penalize states if you're seeing inequitable care yes. among Medicaid programs by making FMAP penalties. So those are some federal policies. But again, I don't really want to leave hospitals off the hook here. There's clearly a lot that needs to be done within these hospital institutions that the policy can't directly address. But installing chief equity officers, keeping a proactive look gaze as to, as to whether there's where, where the inequities are cropping up, if, uh, you know, they're, they're all over the place, but maybe not waiting for researchers and other third party folks to, to highlight them and kind of preemptively work to make sure care is being standardized at all levels of the facility. I came off a little maybe pessimistic on implicit and explicit bias <laughs> training, but I don't mean to be. I think it's very important to, to make sure physicians are are trained and acknowledged like the, the biases that they bring into the office when they walk in and, and uh, try to provide care. The Institute of Medicine for a long time has has, uh, has recommended that equal treatment means that adhering to very strict clinical guidelines, irrespective of what the patient uh, uh, patient's race sexual background is. And um, deviating from those guidelines can lead to unequal care. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of work that can be done at different levels, Rob. We probably have to be working on each one of those levels, not just <laughs> on one of them. This is something that's reflected all over the place. I mean, I looked at data from 2017. We know that three years later, the, uh, something very similar happens with under the pandemic and, you know, with even more dire consequences. So I'm rambling a bit, but uh, <laughs> you can see that this one, this topic fires me up a little bit. It is a fraught and incredibly important topic with lots of important information that we really hope our listeners will check out. The report is entitled, Do Black and White Patients Experience Similar Rates of Adverse Safety Events at the Same Hospital? And the author is Anuj Gagapadaya. He is a senior research associate in the Health Policy Center at the Washington, D.C.-based Urban Institute. Anuj, thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to reading additional research as you go forward. Please keep up the good work, and uh, perhaps we'll talk again soon. I really appreciate it, Rob. Well, that's it for this edition of News and Views. Remember, you can check us out online and subscribe for free to some of our state's best news coverage and political commentary at ncpolicywatch.com. For producer Clayton Henkel, this is Rob Schofield. Thanks for joining us talk to you again next week. You've been listening to News and Views. A weekly look at state and policy issues is a production of North Carolina Policy Watch. Visit them online at ncpolicywatch.com.